It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at WRTFM.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to Hey, everybody, and welcome to A Public Affair. It's Wednesday, so that means you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird, and I want to remind you, of course, you are listening to volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio, WORT 89.9 FM Madison. We have a fabulous show lined up today. Two guests I've been waiting desperately to talk to. Um, their super busy schedules have we have finally, the stars have finally aligned, and here we all are today. We're going to talk for the first half of the show with a candidate for uh, Lieutenant Governor Sarah Rodriguez, and then for the second half of the show, we're going to talk about candidate for Attorney General, talk with candidate for Attorney General Josh Call. So excited to have both of them here today. Let's get started. So, uh, for the first half, just like we said, joining us right now, we have Wisconsin State Representative Sarah Rodriguez, and she is running to be the next lieutenant governor for the lovely state of Wisconsin. She's running on the ticket with Governor Tony Evers. Hello, Sarah. Are you there? I'm here. Thank you so much for having me. So great to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about why you decided to run for lieutenant governor? Yeah, so I am um, a sitting legislator today, and I represent District 13 within the assembly. That's the western suburbs of Milwaukee. And I flipped that district this last election cycle from red to blue. Woo! So I know, yay, I know the really hard work that it goes into uh, to be able to talk to constituents and listen to what they need to hear. And so I really felt that I was uh, a good person to be able to run for lieutenant governor coming from a purple district. And, and running for lieutenant governor in a purple state. Prior to being in the assembly, I've worked in healthcare for most of my career, whether that is as a Peace Corps volunteer, where I did HIV AIDS and reproductive health education, all the way to being a leader within large healthcare systems. And that's really the lens that I want to bring to the lieutenant governor's role, which is one of investment in our kids, our communities, and one of prevention. I want to talk about, there's so much great stuff there. I, w I want to sort of start with um, what I was cheering about, right? That you are one of the candidates on, on either side of the political aisle. It's not easy when Wisconsin has been gerrymandered to the level that it has, that we see districts that really flip from Republican to Democrat or vice versa. And you were one of the you know, outliers that, that that was able to do that and um, talk to us about how th what the reception was in your community and really what you've learned from that. I mean, I hope that the lesson is that it's not just about Republican or Democrat. It's about listening to our, to the constituents. You know, I believe that it is. It's really about making sure that people understand where you stand on the certain policy initiatives or where your values are and really getting them to look beyond that D or that R and, and vote for who's going to look out best for their community. I was an epidemic intelligence service officer with the CDC. I did national, international outbreak investigations. And that was one of the reasons why I ran. I was just so disappointed in the Republican-led Assembly and Senate and their non-response to COVID that I believe that we could have a different leader in that seat. And Fortunately, my community agreed with me. One of the things that I talked to my team about and that I made sure that we had in our messaging is I would never, ever paint communities, particularly Republicans, with the same brush. Because I don't know always that the Republicans who I know living in Waukesha County agree with many of the policy initiatives that the Republican leadership within the Assembly and Senate are trying to push forward many, many things. I mean, we, 
you could talk even the one that's top of mind, which is abortion access, mm-hmm. almost 70% of uh, people within Wisconsin believe that that should be a decision between the patient and their provider. That includes Republicans. And so uh, I made sure that we would never say all Republicans believe this or all Republicans believe that. Because the reality is, is that the Republican Party and their leadership has moved so far right that the standard Republican that we knew even 10 years ago doesn't really fit underneath that tent anymore. They've really moved away from their core values. I think that's so accurate. You know, I grew up in a very conservative, traditional family that always voted Republican. And my family doesn't know how to vote for anymore because they feel like the Republican elected leaders are so out of touch with even what they my my family and colleagues believe are their Republican values. It's very, very fascinating. Talk to us about um, the the deeper issue of abortion rights and and what's been happening specifically at this state legislature that you've been a part of of just started gaveling in and out with no room for conversation or debate, which is the whole point of what the state government and legislature is supposed to be doing. Right. So so twice now, Governor Evers has asked the legislature to come in for a special session. One of his special sessions, he asked them to directly overturn the 1849 archaic abortion law. I was in my seat ready to do my job. And the Republican leadership came in and gaveled in and out with less than 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, he actually called a special session to create a process for a referendum in Wisconsin. So currently today with our constitution, we have no way to put a referendum on the ballot like they did in Kansas. Right. When Kansas citizens came out over 60% in deep red Kansas and said no, we want to enshrine abortion rights within the constitution of our state of Kansas. There's no way to do that in Wisconsin. So what Governor Evers asked them to do is is to create that process, that referendum process yesterday. And once again, I was in my seat ready to do my job. And they came and gaveled in and out in less than 30 seconds. They are just, they are failing Wisconsin. They are failing the citizens of Wisconsin. And that's so frustrating to me because if they truly would represent what the citizens want, they shouldn't be afraid of this referendum process. Um, they, They should allow that to continue. Goodness, uh, Senator Ron Johnson, I agree with him on almost nothing, actually proposed this and said, why don't we put it to the voters? So the very one tiny thing that I agree with, with Senator Ron Johnson, and and this is it. So I think we should be able to do this. It's really unfortunate that the Republican leadership, they're, they're not doing their jobs. Talk to us, Sarah, more about your experience in healthcare. I mean, that's just, I mean, you were born, uh, to lead during a pandemic um, and and the work that you've done, but even in the pandemic, but even beyond that, what do you see as a need for access to public health and health care and, you know, science led policies based on your experience uh, in the healthcare industry? So being a nurse myself and somebody who's a public health professional, I pride myself on making database decisions. And that's the kind of thing that we need within the Assembly and the Senate. And it is so important to be able to focus on prevention rather than dealing with things after they occur. And you can put that lens on almost anything. Don't we want to maintain our roads and bridges before those bridges fall down? Or do we want to recreate an entire bridge after we have, you know, put off the maintenance for years? And so those are the kind of things we have to do in Wisconsin. We have to invest in our kids. We have to make sure we're putting money in public schools. We're putting money in healthcare and in preventive activities so that we don't have to deal with some of these issues later on if we can prevent them from occurring in the first place. 
One of the areas that I think uh, Governor Evers and Attorney General Josh Call have put a great emphasis on is violence prevention. Yes. It's an area of concern within Wisconsin, and they have proposed additional funding for violence prevention programs. They have proposed additional funding for municipalities if they believe that they would like to increase their police force or their fire, you know, fire force, all of those things. These are the types of policies that the Democrats have put on the table that the Republicans have refused to even discuss or negotiate. They pull a lot of that funding out of the governor's budget. We're talking right now with Sarah Rodriguez. She's a current sitting Wisconsin state representative, and she's running for lieutenant governor on the ticket with Governor Tony Evers. The election is coming up in uh, just less than five weeks. Uh, So... Really timely days. time, and re- you're counting the days, aren't you? Yes, yes, of I'm course counting you are. the days. <laughs> of course you are, and you know, um, so important that people get to know the candidates. So we're so glad that you're talking with us here, uh, Sarah. I want to talk to you about sort of the big picture view of government uh, accessibility and transparency. It, it feels like. Sometimes it's really hard to tell what is happening at the state house under the current leadership. Yeah, and and I would encourage everybody here to know who your representative is uh, and and be able to have their contact information. We want to hear from you. Even if you believe that we support the positions, the same positions that you do, please reach out to us. Please email us. Please call us because sometimes we get open record requests and they will say, well, nobody reached out in support of additional funding for public schools or nobody reached out um, to make sure that we don't have firearms on school grounds. And because they believe, okay, she's a Democrat and I know that she believes these things, so I don't need to reach out and, and tell her these things. Absolutely reach out to your representatives, your local representatives, your state representatives, your federal representatives, so they know where you stand on these things. That's it's great really, advice. Really important. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all of the uh, sessions that we have, many of the committee meetings that we have are, are streamed on Wisconsin Eye. And that's an area where you can listen in. I I, I won't um, oversell it. It can be a little dull and procedural at times, but it is important to know what your legislators are doing. Talk to us about um, your your vision for how do you define success? If you and uh, uh, Governor Tony Evers are successful in just five weeks and uh, Governor Evers is elected governor, you're elected lieutenant governor, you're very likely still dealing with a Republican-led legislature. How do you work with that and how do you find common ground? So I have always been happy to reach across the aisle. I've said this before. I live in Waukesha County. This is not exactly a bastion of liberalism. I live in a red county, which means that I have friends. I have family members who have voted Republican almost their entire lives. And Mm -hmm. we have absolutely appropriate policy-based discussions. And I would love to get us back there again. What success looks like for me is to make sure that we do not have a supermajority of Republicans in the Assembly and the Senate, because if the Republicans have a supermajority, they can overturn Governor Evers' vetoes. He said this before. He's the goalie. He has vetoed over 120 bills. Uh, The gubernatorial candidate, Tim Michaels, has said in his first 30 to 60 days, he will sign all of those bills that the Governor Evers has vetoed. And there's some pretty scary bills in there. There's one that would allow firearms on school grounds. Wow. So, uh, you know, those are the, that's what's on this, that, that is honestly what's on the ballot this November. That's what's at stake. And I, I will say one other thing, which is, I, you know, I've seen their agenda up close. I'm on the health committee. I'm a nurse myself. And they had a whole slew of anti-abortion bills that came through. And as a clinician, as a scientist, uh, many of them were medically unsound. And so when I was asking basic clinical medical questions within that health committee, the chair of the health committee 
gaveled me and called me a nasty woman. So these are the kind of things that we are dealing with. And that's what's on the ballot this November. And I cannot emphasize enough how we need to get people energized out there, knocking doors, making phone calls to make sure that we can keep Governor Evers in office and that we do not have a supermajority in the Senate and the Assembly. I want to I really appreciate what you said there at the end about getting people energized. Um, many, many of our listeners uh, already know who they're voting for. And definitely uh, Madison and Dane County is a traditionally uh, blue community. How do you make sure that people are energized? And what do you want to say to our listeners who are thinking, oh, maybe this election isn't very important or, you know, I'll vote but not do much more? How, how can people get involved and, and how important is that support? So that support is critical. Governor Evers only won by a little over one percentage point uh, this last, the last time he ran. And so we know that our statewide elections are going to be close. So every single person's vote matters. If you want to get involved, I suggest you call your county party. Um, I suggest you call some of the other organizations that are that are working together, progressive organizations that are working with the county party to be able to, you know, get on a list to make phone calls, get on a list to knock on doors. Uh, what it is going to be about is turnout. And unfortunately, Democrats in midterms have not always had the strongest turnout. We cannot afford it this cycle. We just simply can't. We're going to have to make sure that people know how important their vote is because the elections are so, so close in Wisconsin. Sarah, you've touched a little bit on public education. You've talked about making sure we have a state that we can be proud of to to, um, support and uh, raise our children. You've talked about public safety and ground, our public schools. And I know Governor Evers has been a leader um, previously to becoming governor. He was the head of the Department of Public Instruction. He's been a leader in ensuring funding and support for our public schools. I see our public schools really struggling, including here in Madison. What can you do from the Statehouse to ensure support for our public schools throughout Wisconsin? So Governor Evers' budget has always put in additional funding for for public schools. And unfortunately, the Republican leadership often strips out the additional funding that public schools have. And what we're seeing is the result of that is that a lot of municipalities have to go to referendum to fix that gym that is 40 years old, to put air conditioning in some schools that don't have it. Um, You know, that's what they're having to do because the state is not fulfilling its commitment to make sure that we fully fund our our public schools because the Republican leadership is stripping it out. This last time you may hear uh, from uh, Republicans that there's more money in the public schools than they've ever had. Unfortunately, that's one-time federal dollars. So that's just one-time federal dollars. And I own my own business today. I know many people out there have owned businesses. You can't make investments in uh, money that's only that you know is only coming one time. How do you hire? How do you make sure that you can get things done? Um, that you can continue some of the programs that you want to be able to put in the school systems when it's only one-time funding. And so we're looking at a fiscal cliff for our public schools for this next year. If the Republican-led legislature does not work with Governor Evers and make sure that they get the increases that they need to to take care of our kids. My kids are in public school. I want them to have the teachers um, that they, you know, can engage them and make them critical thinkers. And our teachers should be paid what they are worth. Well, it just seems so obvious that there is an intentional effort to defund our public schools to ensure their failure and at some point we're reaching the critical mass where our schools are making decisions based on uh, impossible situations and if we don't 
refund and re-energize our public schools, we're going to wind up losing them. It scares me. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm so proud of in Wisconsin. You talk to people in other states, they don't, their kids don't go to public schools because it's already been dismantled. And it's something we should uh, be so proud of in Wisconsin. Do you hear a lot of talk about the importance of public schools when you're traveling the state? Absolutely. This is another thing where the Republican leadership is not listening to constituents. Uh, Public schools are popular and supported across the state. Uh, And I'm not sure if people are aware, but Governor Evers has moved our public schools from 18th in the nation to 8th across the nation. And we can we can move that needle even further if we fund our schools appropriately in the next four years. I know we can. I mean, with under his leadership as our education governor, you know, let's let's put our goal to number one in the nation. Uh, But we have to fund it. We just have to fund it. and We have to pay our teachers what they're worth. Sarah, you mentioned your um, work and experience as a small business owner. How can you support um, businesses uh, and workers and grow the economy in Wisconsin? So uh, there's so many areas where we can make sure that we can support businesses and workers. One of the areas um, that I actually authored was the expansion of Badger Care within Wisconsin. And so what that does is allow folks who are making very, very little to be able to get uh, health insurance on the individual market. And most of that would be subsidized. And so we talk about a worker shortage. We talk about all of these things, which I agree with my Republican colleagues on. I hear that from um, businesses as well. Well, guess what? When people are healthy, they are able, they have their diabetes under control. They are able to work more hours. If they are healthy, they are able to come into work. And so this um, reluctance and refusal for the Republicans to basically just say yes to the expansion of Badger Care in Wisconsin that would bring almost a billion dollars into the state, millions and millions of dollars into the state, um, is is purely putting politics before people. Uh, The other uh, thing that I like to talk about that Governor Evers has done is he has done these Main Street bounce back grants. So what he has done is he's offered $10,000 to small businesses who are willing to go onto Main Street for for different um, cities and different towns and go into a shuttered place. And so that type of uh, grant process to give people a leg up has really revitalized downtowns all across the state. And that's Mm -hmm. an area that we could expand. It always fascinates me where, right, the, the core basic needs of a human being, shelter, housing, access to education, access to health care. They aren't just basic needs that every individual should have, but they're also good for the economy. And it always confounds me when um, people, uh, the Republican Party and other elected leaders oppose expanding access to those basic needs on the argument that it's bad for the economy when it's exactly what workforces need. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So in my small business, I, I often consult with with other businesses about what they can do to make sure that their employees are healthy and happy and they stay. Employee retention is a really big deal. It's very expensive to replace an employee. Uh, The other thing that they talk about is uh, presenteeism, which means that they are present at work, but they may not be working to their full capacity Mm. because they are not well. Right. And so those are the kind of things I talk about with employers all the time to have, you know, if you have a healthy workforce, that's going to allow you to be even more productive as you move forward. So it, it makes zero sense from a a community point of view and from a business point of view not to allow people to have access to health care here in Wisconsin. Sarah, I want to talk to you about um, being the only woman on the statewide ticket for the Democrats right now. How important is it that we have you know, women in leadership. And I, I, we were talking before the show how excited I am to be able to, to see your name there, to point it out to my daughter, to, to know that there's representation for women's voices and to ensure that we have representation for everybody. 
It, it is really, really important for uh, girls and other women to see women in leadership. We, uh, I will paraphrase, uh, we hold up half the sky, right? And we have very different perspectives. Uh, it is very interesting. I'm a full-time working mom. I've had to deal with daycare. I've had to do that juggle, dropping the kids off, picking them up, trying to make sure I can, you know, do what I need to do for my family and what I need to do for my workplace. That is a unique perspective that not every legislator has and not every leader has. And so when I come into any situation, I bring my whole self with me. And that means all of those experiences that that I've had over my lifetime and over my career so that when we are looking at policy, when we are looking at legislation, we don't put something out there that has unintended consequences for women in the state of Wisconsin. And I think about that coming from a perspective as a nurse, as a woman, as a mother by choice, when we are talking about a lot of this abortion legislation, I know and I hear it from my uh, clinical colleagues all the time that we are putting real people's lives in danger with this type of policy. And that 1849 law was passed by all men before women even had the right to vote. And so if we would have had women in that room, maybe we would be having a different conversation today. Yeah, yeah. Want to remind everyone, we are talking right now with Sarah Rodriguez. She's a Wisconsin state representative, and she's running for lieutenant governor. She's on the Democratic ticket with Governor Tony Evers. Um, Sarah, we have time for just a few more questions. I wanted to ask you about environmental issues. Wisconsin is so proud and known for you know, it's beautiful green space. It's beautiful open space or lakes and fishing and hunting and all of these things. And there's so much threat right now um, with climate change, threat to drinking water, access to all of these lakes, our wildlife. What are issues that are important to you that you could that you hope to lead on from the state house regarding environmental protection? Well, I've always been really impressed with Lieutenant Governor Barnes and his commitment to green energy policy. You know, I'll I'll um, paraphrase paraphrase Wayne Gretzky. I want to skate where the puck's gonna be, right? I don't want to uh, be waiting and then you know have to catch up later in terms of you know what we what we need to do here in Wisconsin. I own an electric car. Um, it's a Chevy. And the fact that I own that car makes me absolutely realize that that is not an appropriate choice for everybody within the state. Number one, it's we do not have the charging infrastructure here in Wisconsin to be able to do that. I can't always go all the way across the state with that car. I have to have a secondary car if I need to go all the way up to Superior. Um, and we, uh, it's the price point isn't at a place where it's going to be affordable for, for most folks. So how do we create policy? How do we make sure we have the infrastructure here so that we can skate to where the puck's going to be? That's the kind of stuff that we should be looking at policy-wise. I love that you, first of all, made a hockey reference there because we are in Wisconsin. So let's let's hear it for the hockey players. Hooray. Um, and I, you know, I have a, a electric car as well. And we chose to actually get an electric hybrid where it's a little less uh, electric capability. But I have a small backup uh, gas tank because the infrastructure isn't there to support a full electric car. So you're right. Um, I really, I, I really appreciate hearing how right this isn't an option for everyone because of the price, but also it isn't an option for everyone because of the infrastructure. And those are changes that can be made. Really appreciate yes. that. So Sarah, in our our final minutes here, can you tell? me how people can uh, learn more about your campaign and get involved. Absolutely. So the website for my campaign is uh, S-A-R-A-F-O-R-W-I.com. You can reach me through that website with questions. Um, if you want to volunteer, if you want to be able to get more involved, you can get on that website. You can also learn a little bit more about me and, and my background. And I would encourage everybody to do that. And how can people, will you be touring the state or will they be able to see you on the campaign trail? 
Yes, I have already been touring the state. It has been very exciting. I have been to, I, I don't know how many counties now. Uh, it is way too many to even think about. Uh, I will tell you one story. There is excitement for the ticket. I was in St. Croix County, which okay. is pretty rural, pretty red. Yeah. And uh, we had over 250 people that showed up for a rally with the governor and they signed up 60 new volunteers. Wow. So, We've got some energy, we've got some excitement, but we cannot do this without everybody participating. So please go to your county party, please reach out to the campaign. We will gratefully accept any help. Sarah, as we're, we're waiting for our next guest to arrive, I'll, I'll talk to you for a couple more minutes if you don't, if you don't mind. Um, I oh, want, of course. Oh, of course. good. Oh, goody. Um, wanted to get your take on election protection and ensuring it, it seems like th there's two pieces to the conversation one is ensuring that our election is protected and that we prioritize access to democracy and access to uh, free uh, open elections but two the sort of side aspect equally as powerful of outside forces alleging that our elections aren't safe when they actually are and that's what's so frustrating to me. And I think about all of the clerks, the county clerks, the municipalities that have put their blood, sweat and tears into making sure that we have fair and free elections. And we do have fair and free elections in the state of Wisconsin. And, gov and, and the gubernatorial candidate, Tim Michaels, has talked about even putting even more restrictions on voting. And the Democrats want to make sure it is easy to vote. We want to make sure people who have disabilities have options to vote. Um, and that is not what the Republican leadership has been proposing for yeah. the last year. Well, it's been wonderful talking with you, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for your candidacy and best of luck on the campaign trail. Thank you for having me. That was Sarah Rodriguez, a Wisconsin state representative and candidate for lieutenant governor for Wisconsin on the Democratic ticket. And let's keep the conversation going. For the second half of the show, we have our next guest, uh, Attorney General Josh Call. Hello, Josh. Hey, how are you? Good to join you. It's great to have you. So nice to see you. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so many things to talk about. So let's just dive right in there and see how much we can get to. Um, I wanted to talk on an issue that is so fresh on so many people's minds, the access to abortion or the lack of access to abortion here in Wisconsin. You have been one of the leaders in challenging, challenging the legality of the Wisconsin law. Uh, tell us about your work on that. Yeah, well, as I think everybody listening knows, we had a sea change in the state of the law about three months ago. The United States Supreme Court disregarded almost 50 years of precedent that had protected access to safe and legal abortion across the United States and left Wisconsin really in a state of legal uncertainty. We, we have a ban on the books that dates back to 1849. Uh, the ban that's on the books uh, has almost no exceptions. There are no exceptions for cases involving rape or incest. There's no exception even to protect the health of the, the mother unless, and this is what the law says, it's necessary to save the life of the mother. Um, now, we have argued in court, uh, we filed suit four days after that U.S. Supreme Court decision came down, that the uh, more recently passed laws supersede the old law. There were laws passed after Roe v. Wade was decided that regulated legal abortion, and we've argued that uh, those laws uh, effectively repealed the, the old law. Now, that case is making its way through the court, and in the meantime, Planned Parenthoods have shut down in Wisconsin, yes. uh, and medical providers have been left with incredible uncertainty. And we started to see the kinds of impacts that not only that we knew that th that would happen, but also some other impacts. So, um, you know, there's a woman who had a partial miscarriage who was left to bleed for 10 days before there was medical intervention. Oh, goodness. Um, uh, an OBGYN talked to me about appointments she has with people who come in with pregnancies they had planned. And she said they, those were joyous appointments before. And I, I remember those appointments with my kids when you, you know, you've, you've got the ultrasound and you count their fingers and their toes. And she said, now sometimes people come in and they're, they're terrified about what's going to happen if there's a health complication. And if you think about moms or dads with kids at home and the fear that that puts people in, it's, it's not acceptable. And, you know, this has made women in Wisconsin less free, less equal and less safe. Uh, and so I'm going to keep fighting uh, until we restore access to safe and legal abortion.
just thank you for all that you're doing and 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 sharing those stories with us. I've I had a second uh, trimester miscarriage and it was incredibly impactful. And if I didn't have access to uh, the appropriate medical care that I did, I might not have gotten to the two wanted and loved children that I happen to have now. Um, so such an important issue. Um, I also want to talk about. It seems that you're addressing this on multiple fronts. One, you're leading this in in um, the uh, courts to to fight against the law that is trying to be enforced. But you're also in a, having a conversation that is different from your opponent, who says that if this law is going to be enforced, he's going to spend the time and energy of the attorney general's office prosecuting women and doctors. Your position is different. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think the stakes of the 22 election for the future of access to safe and legal abortion can be overstated. You know, there are certain messages that come out of elections. In 2018, the Affordable Care Act was a centerpiece in so many different races. It was one of the big issues in my race for attorney general. And you really saw Republican attacks on the ACA subside after that election once voters sent a clear message that they supported the ACA. 2022 is going to be that way for abortion, except the impact is going to be even bigger. The, the lesson that people are going to take about what abortion means for politics uh, in this new post-Roe world is going to depend on what happens in 2022. Um, and, and the stakes are enormous. So in the AG's race, I've been clear that we're not going to shift resources from investigating and prosecuting some of the most serious crimes in the state, things like internet crimes against children, homicides, sexual assaults, drug trafficking. We're not going to stop looking at those cases so we can instead go after people for abortions under a ban that goes back to 1849. But my opponent has said he would enforce that ban. And, and just recently, he refused to rule out prosecutions, even in cases involving rape or incest. Um, so it's an extreme difference on that issue. He said he would end our lawsuit. Um, but we're, as long as I'm AG, we're not going to be using our resources to go after people and try to put them behind bars under that ban. And then the, the last thing is legislative action is key, too. We have called in the legislature over and over. And we're going to keep calling on them to repeal that 1849 ban. I want to talk a little bit about public safety and and sort of the heart and core work of the um, efforts of the Department of Justice and the Attorney General's office. There is so much that your office can do, not just to prosecute um you know, violent crimes, but to ensure our communities are actually safer. Can you talk about the efforts that you, the AG's office has done? Absolutely. You know, um, I'm a former federal prosecutor and as a former federal prosecutor and as attorney general, um, we have wor I've worked on some of the most significant crimes that are out there and, and people uh, under my leadership at DOJ have. Um, I've put drug traffickers, sex offenders and murderers behind bars and work to make communities safer. But we also need to make sure we're taking a comprehensive approach to public safety. And so we have worked to strengthen Wisconsin's response to sexual assault including by uh, getting the law changed to prevent a future backlog of untested sexual assault kits and launching a kit tracking system. We've gone after Big Pharma for its role in the opioid epidemic and helped the state recover over $400 million that's gonna go to communities across the state to support uh, treatment programs, diversion programs, uh, recovery programs, and, and enforcement efforts. We've worked to make our schools safer as well. We, for example, created a 24-7 tip line that anybody associated with a school community can contact to get the help that, that they need. And I put forward a plan almost a year ago, a safer Wisconsin plan, which calls for investments in all sorts of community programs that can make our community safer, like uh, community policing, mental health crisis response, um, drug treatment, um, uh, victim services, and also calls for common sense gun safety measures. And that's a huge difference in the AG's race. I support common sense gun safety measures like universal background checks, that can make our community safer. My opponent just recently was bragging about his support from the NRA. Hmm. Um, he has not been willing to call for the kinds of common sense measures that we need to help prevent gun violence. Talk to us a little bit more about gun violence and how we can ensure our schools stay safe, not just needing better legislation, which we absolutely do, but ensuring that the legislation that we have right now, the loopholes are not being manipulated by people that want to commit violence. Absolutely. So we have an office of school safety at DOJ, and uh, we've worked to use that office to do as much as we can to make schools safer. So as I mentioned, we created a tip line. We've also put out guidance to schools on, on best practices for school safety. 
And we've created critical incident response teams that can respond if there is an incident that happens at schools, and we've provided trainings to, to teachers at schools. But we can do a lot more by passing some common sense gun safety measures to prevent a tragedy from happening at one of our schools. We, we have background checks for the vast majority of firearm purchases. We conduct many of them at DOJ. But unfortunately, if you buy a gun through a private sale, there's no background check required right now. And so if you're somebody who's prohibited from buying a gun legally, guess how you're going to buy a gun if you go to buy one? Um, we also don't have a ban on ghost guns in Wisconsin, which are just components of a gun that can easily be assembled. Now there we've gotten some good change uh, from the federal level under the Biden administration, but that's another loophole in the system. And then having a system that allows for intervention in a crisis situation um, by creating the option of extreme risk protection orders can help us stop a crisis from happening as well. And then one last thing I would highlight is the state Supreme Court issued a decision uh, just a few months ago that actually um, limits when we can prevent people from possessing a firearm because they've been convicted of a domestic violence offense that led to formally a conviction for disorderly conduct. I propose changes that would make sure that it's very clear that you've been convicted for domestic violence when you've been convicted for that, uh, even if it's classified as disorderly conduct. And that would allow us to prohibit people with that conviction um, from obtaining firearms. But, but right now, some people who've committed domestic violence are still able to get firearms. And there's a, a very strong correlation between domestic violence convictions and, and people who've engaged in mass mm -hmm. shootings. So that's another place where we can make our communities safer. Can I just say I really appreciate you, you know, acknowledging and, and working on the nitty gritty, tiny little issues. I was actually in court this morning on a restraining order case uh, and the uh, other side, right, had a conviction, but it was disorderly conduct. It wasn't domestic violence. And to, to acknowledge, to, it shows how well you know this system that you can see all these holes and, and continue to try and address it. I, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. You know, our Safer Wisconsin plan truly is a comprehensive plan for public safety in Wisconsin that would make our communities safer and make critical investments in areas like victim services um, that have not gotten the kind of funding that they yeah. should. And my opponent's plan is is literally a press release. That's his public safety plan for <laughs> Wisconsin. And so it's a it's a stark contrast on this issue. And uh, you know, we're going to keep talking about it uh, between now and election day. Good, good. I mean, we need to keep going. Um, Let's. There's so many issues. Let's let's keep going on these these issues. Talk to us about voting rights. That is certainly something that you know a huge concern is not just if I have access and to ensure that all my friends and colleagues and and people that I work with have access to the to to vote and know all how to maneuver their way through all the rules. But also, I have this in, huge fear that didn't exist in years past that when the election comes out. It's going to be challenged for illegitimate reasons and really tried to discount it. How, how do we ensure the safety and the integrity of the elections and ensure that when it is safe and successful, it's not challenged under false pretenses? Yeah, you know, first, let me just say, if you care about our freedom to vote and our democracy, uh, the AG's race in Wisconsin is, is a critical, critical election. Um, first, before I was attorney general, I, I actually worked on voting worked to challenge laws that restricted access to voting uh, to help make it easier for folks to cast their ballots. Um, and as attorney general, we've been involved in voting issues in a, in a bunch of different ways. Um, prior to the 2020 election, there was an effort to purge tens of thousands of voters from the voter rolls. Um, we defended against that. And I personally argued that case in the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And we won that one five to two and kept voters on the rolls. Yes. Um, you may remember that there was uh, an effort to slow down the mail from Louis DeJoy before the 2020 election. Yes. So many people were relying on mail-in voting. We joined other states in suing the Postal Service and getting an order that said they couldn't have those cutbacks before the election. Um, you know, after the election, we saw these attempts by Donald Trump and his allies to overturn the results. Um, and we defended against them and, and we won every one of those cases. And then when Michael Gableman uh, launched his investigation, I was very clear that the investigation was uh, not legitimate and couldn't be relied upon. Um, I believe I used the phrase fake investigation. Um, and we challenged some of the subpoenas he'd issued. But I, I want to emphasize one of those cases that attacked the results of the election in 2020 was decided four to three in our state Supreme Court. That's how close we were to having our results thrown into chaos. And uh, if you just imagine 
um, an AG who, instead of defending the results, as, as I did, had falsely claimed there was widespread fraud or yeah. falsely claimed that laws had been violated. Um, and my opponent has claimed that election commissioners broke the law and should be removed, and he's, uh, he supported the Gableman investigation. Um, that would uh, risk putting our system into chaos. We, we can't have that. We need to have an AG who's going to stand up for our freedom to vote. And um, Josh, we have a question coming in from a caller. They want to know what kind of efforts the AG office can do to protect election workers from uh, attack. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, before the 2020 election, there was a lot of concern about voter intimidation at the polls. And we worked to get the message out that if you engage in voter intimidation, you were committing a crime and you should expect to be held responsible. Um, that election went smoothly on election day, actually, and the concerns that we had, fortunately, um, didn't materialize. Um, we have safe and secure elections in Wisconsin. We've got a long history of contentious elections, but on election day, things have, generally speaking, gone very smoothly in Wisconsin, and that's what I expect this year as well. But that being said, we're prepared in the event that there is something that happens to respond. And actually, uh, just today, uh, I was uh, talking to some folks about um, how if there is voter intimidation or threats to our election officials, we're going to take those very seriously. Threats to election officials that interfere with their ability to conduct an election or create a, an unreasonable risk of interference uh, are potentially criminal violations. Not listening to a lawful order from, um, from the, the election inspectors at a polling place, um, that is also against the law. And these kinds of attacks on our election workers or on voters those are attacks on our system of government. So we take those very seriously and we're committed to, to uh, investigating if necessary uh, or to working with, with local law enforcement and prosecutors uh, to hold people accountable if they do break those laws. We're talking right now with Wisconsin's Attorney General, Josh Call. He is running for re-election and will be on the ballot in just five weeks. Um, so excited to be able to talk with you here, Josh. Wanted to ask you about... Um, environmental safety. And uh, I know the the attorney general's office has been in the forefront of ensuring that polluters are held responsible. Talk to us about the work that you've done and what um, role the attorney general's office can play in environmental protection. You know, back, back to when I was running last time for attorney general, one thing I heard from people really in communities across the state was a lot of concern about the safety of the water that they were drinking. And Yes. The particular issue that people were thinking about varied from community to community. In some places, there were concerns about lead in the water. In other places, it was uh, nitrate contamination. Certainly over the last several years, we've heard a lot about PFAS contamination. Um, but ensuring that every Wisconsinite has access to safe and clean water is, is critical, not just uh, to our natural resources, but it's critical to our health and it's critical to our economy. It's, it's really hard to grow a business or to sell a house if, if you can't rely on the water uh, being safe in the area where, where you're trying to grow that business or sell that house. Um, so we have worked uh, to ensure that when polluters break the law, that they're being held accountable. Um, we've also been very aggressive in uh, ensuring that the companies responsible for PFAS contamination are held responsible. We, um, we recently filed a, a major suit against a number of PFAS manufacturers and marketers um, because I think it's critical that yeah. when we get those toxic cancer causing chemicals cleaned out of our water, that it's the companies that made millions of dollars that are paying for it and not taxpayers in Wisconsin. And, yes. and again, this appears to be a very clear difference in the race. My, my opponent has said very, very little about environmental issues, um, but he did recently announce support from a, a representative for CAFOs, a, a group that represents CAFOs. Um, and he certainly hasn't uh, indicated that he is going to bring anything like the seriousness to these uh, cases that, that we've been bringing over the last four years. Well, and I, th I think that's maybe m my final question for you is helping us understand the flexibility uh, that you have in the attorney general's office to make decisions on when you're going to fight for the state. I know you've been a leader in Medicaid expansion and, and so many other issues. Talk to us about the role of, you know, suing on behalf of the citizens and uh, individuals of the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, we work on a, a wide array of issues and public safety uh, will always be my top priority as attorney general. And we talked about a lot of the public safety issues we've been focused on. Uh, but we also work to protect people's freedoms, their, their freedom to vote, um, their reproductive freedom. Um, we, we work to protect our, uh, our natural resources in Wisconsin. 
Uh, we also work to protect consumers, and we, we go after companies that uh, are alleged to violate our antitrust laws or to make false uh, marketing claims. Um, and, and that takes a number of different forms as well. We recently announced uh, an antitrust action uh, against pesticide manufacturers that um, we've alleged engaged in anti-competitive practices that have been harmful to, to farmers in Wisconsin. And so uh, on a wide range of, of policy and legal issues, our office is, in, is directly involved, and I'm really proud of the progress we've made, and I want to build on that progress. I don't want to see Republicans taking us backwards. So, Josh, in our, our final moments here, how can people learn more about your campaign and perhaps get to see you on the campaign trail? Yeah, well, we are traveling all over the state. We're going to keep doing that uh, uh, over the next not even five weeks now uh, as we head into Election Day. Um, but uh, you can go to our website at joshcall.org and get more information. Um, and I want to just encourage everybody to, to get registered, to make sure your friends who are eligible to vote are registered, uh, and to make sure you're getting out to vote, because this is a critical election for the future of the state. And the choice really fundamentally boils down to whether we want to keep Wisconsin moving forward or whether we're going to go backwards. And so I'm confident that if folks show up to vote, we're going to keep moving in the right direction. And Josh, can you tell us about your experience? I have seen you multiple times just here in Madison, and I know you're way beyond that at all times. Um, talk to us about what you're hearing. Is is there a sense of of uniformity in our state? Sometimes we feel so divided, but I get encouraged when people hear the same needs and wants um, in the red areas as well as the blue areas. Yeah, you know, people often ask me what I like best about my job. And, and the answer is I love talking to folks around the state. It is, um, it is so heartening to hear from people about how much they care about their communities, their friends, their neighbors, their families, and doing the right thing and moving the state in the right direction. And that's true all over the state of Wisconsin. Um, now, obviously, we are sometimes uh, divided in our state politically, um, but continuing to work to do the right thing and to move Wisconsin forward is something that I know that people across the state are committed to. There is a lot of enthusiasm around this election. I expect we're going to have uh, extremely high turnout. And uh, it's critical that people make their voices heard uh, in this fall's election. Well, it's been wonderful to talk with you. Thank you so much for joining us today and for all the work that you've been doing so far. Best of luck. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great to having you. That is Josh Call, Wisconsin's current attorney general and running for re-election in the ballot in just five weeks for to continue as serving as Wisconsin's attorney general, Josh Call. I want to thank everyone for listening to us today and joining our show. I really want to thank Sarah Rodriguez for joining us for the first half. Josh Call again for the second. A huge thank you to Nate for serving as our engineer today. Yay! Volunteers serving in at the last minute. Rochelle, thank you so much for producing. And Rochelle, this is my last week working with Rochelle as our producer. So, so glad that she's done all the amazing work that she has. Thank you, Rochelle, and best of luck in your fabulous, fabulous future careers. And thank you to Shali, our news director, for all that she's done. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to more candidates again next week, and we will talk to you then. Remember, you are listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. Bye, everybody. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground, another pirate station. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound community.